Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to today's show. This is Lynn Liberty Ellington with Women's Football Success. I'm your host, and today we are starting 2019 with episode 1901. Real quick, I'm just going to go through some details here. Hold on just a second. So again, welcome to Women's Football Success, episode 1901. Today's episode is going to be a little bit short uh, for a couple reasons. We are still uh, enjoying our super small, brand new grandbaby, Logan Solomon. And today is my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. So we are going to be uh, going out and having a great time with them for dinner. So I just wanted to give a rundown or recap of what happened this week, and then talk about some things that um, are near and dear to the hearts of people in women's football. Real quick, dis uh, my disclaimer, my name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I am an attorney. I'm licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. All the information that I provide to you on this radio show or via print or digital materials that have to do with women's football are business information only. None of this information um, constitutes a legal attorney-client relationship. If you have a legal issue, then you need to contact an attorney in the jurisdiction where you have the problem that has experience in the area of law that you need help with. So I hope everybody's doing good this year. 2019 is going to be the best year ever in women's football. I feel that 110%. Last week, we had our Ugly Sweater Contest or Ugly Sweater Party for the Dallas Elite. Um, as part of the party, um, we did an Ugly Sweater Contest. We sent out the rules to all of the potential participants. And we, everybody showed up. Most, I guess most people showed up with Ugly Sweaters on. And third place went to Maria. Um, she did a great ugly sweater where she actually made the whole Christmas tree and then attached this Christmas tree to the sweater. So that was pretty cool. And then second place went to goat sweater, uh, goat sweater guy, uh, Lewis. And he got prize, a prize as well. That It was the cutest little goat on the sweater. Um, and then first prize went to Gina and she got $50 off her, her player fee. Um, we are so glad that she participated and put the effort in. Her uh, sweater had these balls on it and lights that lit up. And um, 
it it was a great sweater. It was probably two sizes too small, as she told everybody, <laughs> but it even made the sweater more of a first prize winner. Um, we did have a consolation prize because the rules stated that it had to be an ugly sweater. And Miss Strickland came with no sweater, but she wore an entire Christmas outfit. It had a suit jacket, pants, socks, shoes, a cane, and some sunglasses. So we gave her a consolation prize. She got $25 off her player fee, um, but her uh, efforts did not go unnoticed. Uh, we had turkey, potatoes, we had sweet potato, pecan bites. We had, um, what we did was, uh, depending on what your last name started with, uh, each person brought a different thing, whether it was an appetizer, a side dish, or a dessert. And then uh, the Dallas Elite, we provided the, the main dishes or the main courses of the turkey, um, what do we do? Turkey, uh, potatoes, stuffing, and then all the drinks. Um, and then everybody else brought what whatever else they wanted to bring. So it was a super awesome night. Um, and then shout out to Lacey and Katie for um, hosting us and making hot cocoa to uh, kind of end the night with. So that was really nice. Um, we had a barbecue going out in the back, um, kind of like a barbecue pit. The team played games and we gave gifts. Um, it was a great time and we appreciate everyone that made um, the occasion such a special night. So that was really cool for us. Um, for those people, you know, we talked about it uh, with the women's football about event planning. And that was one of the ones that we had set up uh, saying that to do in December. Um, that is a, is a good time to do that event. Now in January, you can do, again, team building events, if you'd like to call them that. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But um, I wanted to share with you, so I, I did a poll for women's football um, about the different concerns that they had and what things they wanted to talk about. And so um, fundraising, obviously, is top, top, top on the list. And then um, event planning, not so much. Um, but I did want to share that, um, you know, going back to our calendar that I've provided uh, a basic calendar for the teams for, um, making sure that you are planning ahead of time. Um, it's very difficult to plan events one to two weeks out. You need to be three to four to five weeks out when you're doing these planning. So you can always do an event in a team building event in January and February. Um, now would be the time to be already starting to plan February. Okay. So uh, make sure you get all that squared away. If you want to have a team building event of some sort, some teams go and do like a whole um, mini camp in January. Um, we will be doing that with the Dallas Elite. So um, if you have any questions about that, I'll probably share um, that in next episode as far as how the mini camp is structured as an event and then how you guys can kind of create that on your own. So today I'm going to talk mostly about fundraising because the poll showed that about 70% of the teams that responded um, have concerns about fundraising. So I wanted to share with you guys kind of like the top four best fundraisers that I've found. Um, some teams have other um, 
fundraisers that they find very successful. Now, when I'm talking about fundraisers, I'm not talking about jobs or places for people to be employed to raise funds for their player fees. Now, a lot of the teams do that, and it is very lucrative and very beneficial. I'm talking about just fundraisers that go on for two weeks, maybe three weeks tops, and they're done. Um, but going and setting up situations where your large group of people can go and do something to raise funds to pay for their player fees instead of paying for it out of pocket or getting sponsors um, is another set of things that we can talk about as well. I'm talking today about fundraising where it's two, three weeks of, of fundraising, collecting of sorts, and raising those funds. So I'm going to go through um, my top four fundraising ideas. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the opposite of fundraising. So a lot of the teams, the biggest struggle is fundraising. And the idea is, is that you have to create enough funds to be able to support all the things that the team needs to do. If you look back at the budgets that I've provided, the average cost per player is about $750. That includes... Um, practice fields, practice equipment, um, uniforms, travel expenses for the regular season only. You divide all that up by how many players you have, it averages about $750 per player. So the teams that are not collecting $750 per player have to get that somewhere. And a lot of times that's through fundraising. Some of the fundraisers, um, that we've talked about in the past and that some of the people that I've talked to in the past like to do a lot of fundraisers. They do a lot of little fundraisers. So they might do a bake sale that raises them $250. They might do a car wash that raises them $500, something like that. What I try to do is fundraisers that raise a large amount of money and that way I only have to do a few for several reasons. One, um, the players just don't want to be out there talking to people over and over again, trying to sell different things or fundraise for different things. Two, um, from a accounting and paperwork standpoint, I don't want to have to do 50 different events or 50 different fundraisers. So the four that I have found to be the most lucrative, and these may or may not work with your team, um, and the reason I say that is number four is candy sales. Candy sales can be done in a couple different ways, but a lot of times if your team branding, like we talked about before, if your team motto and your team branding is about health and fitness, then selling candy might not be for your team. You can do candy fundraising, but a lot of times that's associated with youth fundraising, um, but you can do it in different creative ways and still do it for women's football. They do have teams like the world, the or companies like the world's finest chocolate that you can get boxes of chocolate. I think you charge a, a dollar of candy bar and you get to keep 50 cents per candy bar. That's a great way to do it. And you can connect with a company like that. Totally fine. Um, a lot of teams will just go a different route and go to Sam's Club because then there's not a minimum number of boxes of candy that they have to buy. And if it melts or something, they're not out 25 boxes or whatever the case is, if, you know, uh, as far as storage. Usually on those world's finest chocolate, you pledge or you say you're going to do 50 boxes or whatever it is. 
and then you sell those and somebody has to keep those other boxes at their home or in storage or whatever. You don't want them to melt or freeze depending on what days you have them, especially in the summertime in Texas. Like people leave them in their cars while they're at work or at their, they're at practice. They just melt into mush. So you got to be very careful when you're going to do a fundraiser like that and uh, for how long and how many boxes. So if it's a fundraiser where you have to get a, mac, a minimum number of boxes, then I would suggest going to a Sam's Club route and getting Sam's Club candy bars and selling them that way. Now, um, obviously, women can't do it like the children do by going door to door and stuff like that. But um, there's ways to do that at work. You know, if you're saying, hey, this is a way to fundraise for my women's football, this helps to lower my cost of my player fee. Um, then friends and, and co-workers at work will tend to buy your stuff as opposed to getting stuff out of a vending machine. Um, and sometimes you can set it there right at the, the lobby or whatever of where you work. Other people just go ahead and take it around to the family and friends. And other people just buy the candy and give it to people in their stockings or whatever the case is. So those are different options for the candy sales. That's my number four, so of my top four fundraisers. Number three, I have to go with merchandise sales. And the reason why is because um, everybody wants the merchandise anyways. And if you can somehow parlay that into um, an incentive for the players to sell more merchandise, I feel like that's a win-win because not only are you getting more merchandise out there um, to promote your team, but you're also um, allowing the players to deduct a certain amount of the, that merchandise sales from their player fee. So for example, if you typically sell a sweatshirt for $25, then you may um, allow a player to get $5 for each sweatshirt that they sell, something like that. Um, for number two, I would go with ticket sales. And a lot of people are, might think of this as well, these are uh, these are sales that we're going to do at the tick at the ticket booth or at the ticket counter or at the actual game, and that's true. What we're talking about is pre-sales, so getting merchandise out there before game day. There's going to be merchandise that sells there at the game, but these are sales that the team or the players are doing on their own to sell more stuff to friends and family. Um, some teams do it where it's actually um, customized with their name and number on the back or on the front. Um, so that would be different from the merchandise that sells right there game day at the game. Ticket sales, we're talking about pre-game ticket sales. So this can be a couple things. This can be ticket sales for a scrimmage or it can be ticket sales for the games. Some teams do a mandatory amount of ticket sales per player. So each player is required to sell so many tickets. That is very common at a lot of um, teams for a couple reasons. One, the people are coming to watch the girls play anyway. They're not coming to watch the owners. They're not coming to watch the managers or the coaches coming to watch the players. So for the players to sell tickets and that some percentage of that goes towards a player fee or a percentage of that goes towards other travel expenses um, makes good sense because the, the, Tickets are going to sell anyways, right? So uh, the way the way most teams do it <coughs> and the ones that I've talked to um, in the past several weeks is having a set number of tickets that a player sells 
and a percentage of that goes towards uh, travel expenses, etc. Players that sell more get more towards their travel expenses. The number one fundraiser that I have found that does the best, and I've talked to several owners about this already, um, is a raffle. Now, disclaimer first off, you need to check your state laws and ordinances to see if you're allowed to have a raffle. Some of these teams are doing these like 50-50 raffles in the stands. You guys need to be very, very careful and see what is allowed in your state because some states do not allow those. Um, the type of raffle I'm talking about is completely different, but again, you'll need to check with your state what types of raffles are allowed. One of the raffles that I find is very successful is um, a raffle where you do it for a month long. And this idea came from a team up north that was around 20 years ago. They would do a calendar of raffle days. And you'll, if you look back at last year, this is exactly what the Dallas Elite did. We did, had 30 days of raffle ticket drawings. We drew a name every day. We made up the list ahead of time of the 30 days of what the uh, prizes were going to be. The final prize was a grand prize, a big prize. Last year, ours was a television set. So we took the, the calendar, 30 days, 31 days, whatever it was, and we actually pre-placed a item into each day of the calendar, whether it was a ticket, whether it was a season pass, whether it was a t-shirt, whether it was other merchandise or other items that we had, gift cards to Sonic, whatever. And we drew a name each day, and then people would uh, come back to our Facebook page to see uh, what they won, and then they would contact us through Messenger, and we would get those items to them. Makes sense. So um, that is probably the most lucrative of the fundraisers that I've done um, other than sponsorships. So again, number four, candy sales. Number three, merchandise sales. Number two, ticket sales. And number one would be a raffle of some sort. So let's talk about this fundraising because it, obviously if 70 plus, 70, about 72% of the respondents said that fundraising was their biggest uh, topic or biggest area that they wanted to learn about or know about. Fundraising is very important for women's football because if you don't get the sponsorships, you have to still fundraise no matter what. Um, some teams have a better... I guess not a better way, but they have more success with sponsorships. Some teams require sponsorships. They don't allow the, the um, players to pay their fee. It needs to be done through a sponsorship, which allows them to connect with a business. So that makes sense too. Um, but fundraising is kind of the number one big thing about women's football because we do ha still have the cost, but we have to find our own ways to fundraise. And so... Um, providing different creative ways to gain money to provide those supplies, practice fields, uh, game day uniforms, practice equipment, travel expenses, all these different things that women's football has to deal with. 
Now, what I like to talk to teams about is on the opposite side of that, as opposed to, you know, fundraising is important, and we went through some fundraising, but the other side of that is expense reducing. So fundraising and expense reducing. So the more expenses you can reduce, the less funds you need to raise, right? Many teams have been very successful and have gotten by every year with very low expenses and have been very successful at it because they have gone down the list of things that are necessary, you know, the needs and wants of women's football. A lot of teams want to take buses and airplanes to different locations, but those are not necessary. They're not necessities. Um, so those teams look at lower cost, lower priced options, therefore lowering or reducing their expenses and reducing the need for fundraising. So their fundraising dollars go towards more important essentials on their team. I hope that makes sense to you guys. So we put a chart out there as far as driving to the driving your own cars to the field and then using vans and then using buses and then using airplanes. Um, I understand that, you know, everybody has this image that, you know, the NFL players drive themselves to the field on game day when it's a home game. Uh, many times they bus or fly to other locations, but they're required to get on that bus or airplane and they're required to stay at that hotel. Um, and I understand that that sounds cool and neat and everything, but um, many, most, if not all, women's football teams are not there and cannot incur those expenses. Um, it's too frivolous and it's a waste of resources. So looking at it from that standpoint, each team needs to go through and evaluate, you know, looking at their home and away games, what is going to be economical for them to do um, and still be a successful, profitable business. Now, if you're flying in airplanes and you're not profitable, that's a problem. If you're taking vans and you can be profitable, then why aren't you taking vans? So a lot of these things um, make business sense, but don't necessarily make image sense. So a lot of teams just, you know, the, the vans and buses, the buses and the airplanes look cool, um, sometimes they're a necessity, right? So sometimes you have to do an airplane because your travel is so far um, and you need to make sure that people can still work on Friday and then can get back home for Sunday or Monday um, to be able to go back to work or they have family members that they have to take care of, whatever. So each team needs to evaluate these things and determine whether it's a fundraiser need or an expense reducer requirement. For example, let's talk about a lot of people talk about these pickle pops um, and a lot. Uh, nah. Some teams have gotten fundraisers or sponsorships for the pickle juice. Awesome sponsorship. Shout out. You know, teams are working on getting these sponsors and some teams are more successful at that than others. Right. So 
props to everybody that's out there busting their butt and getting sponsorships. The pickle pops are between a dollar and a dollar fifty <coughs> per two ounce pop. Okay, so first of all, you need to determine how many of those pickle pops did your team use last year. Um, did you use them at all? Um, other options are, so the option is either to go to the Pickle Pop place and get a sponsorship and get some free Pickle Pops, right? The other option is to um, sell a couple more tickets to your games and buy the Pickle Pops. Or the other option could be to buy a couple gallon jugs of pickles for a football party. Use the pickles at the party and save the pickle juice. Now, again, teams around women's football are doing all of these. Some teams are getting sponsorships for pickle pops. Other teams are buying them straight out. And other teams are coming up with alternatives to not needing to use them. All great. All options for the WFA football teams. Let's go to another example. We I talked about the... The automobile option, automobiles, buses, or automobiles, vans, buses, airplanes. All the teams are using various options or various different uh, makeups of their transportation. All good, all fine. And the WFA teams are using all of them. Let's talk about a couple other things. Let's talk about water and ice. So again, several different options. You can go get a water and ice sponsor. Um, let's So water and ice, let's talk about the numbers here. Water and ice for practices, if you are providing water and ice for practices three times a week, you're looking at about four to 500 bucks. If you're also doing that for games, both home and away and in the locker room, et cetera, you're looking at about $1,200 a year in water per team. Okay. Other options are players bring their own water to practice and then the team pays for game water. That's an option. Other options include, I mean, teams throughout the WFA are doing all of these. They're either getting a sponsor for their water and ice. They're having the players bring their water and ice to practices and only um, having the expense during games. Um, the other teams are purchasing commercial ice makers to make the ice throughout the week, pour it into the five-gallon containers, five-gallon coolers, and using the ice on the weekends. Um, other teams make their own ice cubes. Um, I've seen where they take the containers from the dollar store. There's these containers that are almost perfect squares. They're smaller at the bottom and wider at the top to make giant ice cubes. Put the, you know, put your filtered water from your house in these boxes, put them in your freezer, let them freeze for two days, flip them over, and they fall out of these boxes. They're giant ice cubes that fill up the whole five gallon jug. You can make 10 of these for about 50 cents. Well, you'd have to buy the, the dollar store packaging. So, but you could spend five bucks and have enough supplies for the whole season to make your big gigantic ice cube. So teams in the Women's Football Alliance all over the country 
are using one or the other of these options. They're either getting water sponsors, having players bring their own to the practices and paying for it at the games, or they're making their own ice cubes, or they're getting a commercial ice maker. The other option is to buy the water and ice. Again, selling two or three more tickets per game pays for your ice and water for the whole season. So if you get if you just focused on ticket sales, you could get your pop, pickle pops, your water, for five extra sales per game. That would make up the difference. So... I want everybody to realize that fundraising is not just fundraising. It is also expense reducing or increasing sales to be able to uh, provide for these items that you want. So if you want pickle pops, um, go sell two more season passes and you've got your pickle, pickle pops for the whole year. If you want all your ice and water paid for and you don't want your players to have to bring it, $1,200 a year. You can go buy an ice maker, you can make your own ice cubes, or you can get somebody to sponsor your water for $1,200 for the year. I really hope that this helps you guys kind of analyze the different areas of expenses within women's football. You want to do the same thing when it comes to your practice field, your practice equipment. You want to work through the different scenarios and find out how you can get these things either paid for by sponsors get them donated for free, or what you need to do to have the funds to pay for them outright. Same thing for um, practice equipment. Say you need a, a couple extra uh, dummies at $100 each. You can either sell, what, four more season passes and buy yourself another dummy, or you can get it donated from a school that's getting rid of them. Or you can go to a company that will um, sponsor you for your practice equipment and a $500 sponsorship would get you three more or four more dummies. So each of these elements that you go through in your budget as a women's football alliance team, you have ways of either raising funds or reducing expenses. And many teams are very successful every year by having a basic low-cost budget and keeping very close watch on their expenses or getting others to donate or sponsor for those items. I hope this has been helpful for you guys as far as the issue of fundraising and reducing expenses. Like I said, the, the poll that I did was sitting at about 72% of the teams in women's football um, have concern about fundraising or want to talk about the topic of fundraising. So next week, I'm going to go into um, February calendar. I'm also going to talk about mini camps and how those are kind of scheduled, set up. Um, and then I will brush on or touch on a couple more fundraisers because um, it's a, a significant topic that people want to talk about. So I really appreciate you guys' time and um, effort today. Thank you for tuning in.
If you have any questions, comments, issues, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me through Women's Football Success, and I will get them on air and uh, make sure that we cover those. You guys have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.